Welcome back to Split Decision, Episode 9. Today we're going to recap UFC Vegas 78, take a look ahead to UFC 292, give you our top five Boston people, places, or things, and much more. So let's go. All right, so right before we jump into the recap of UFC Vegas 78, uh, this one's going to go a little bit different. Uh, Christian ran off to Florida. So I'll be doing this section solo. We pre-recorded, you know, what we could. This part we couldn't. So uh, moving on from there, UFC Vegas 78 featured 13 fights. Uh, we had quite a few first-round knockouts, just a couple decisions, a couple decisions, or a couple submissions, sorry. Uh, from there, you know, it was a great card leading up to UFC 292. So let's jump right in. So look, the main event featured Vicente Luque versus Rafael Dos Anjos in a welterweight clash that really just made it to the judges to decide a victor. You know, Luque showed his striking ability. He showed it early, and he followed it up with a bunch of, in my opinion, surprise takedowns. He went 8 out of 11 secured. It's a personal best for him. 8 out of 11. A lot of takedowns in a fight, regardless. Uh, no argument with the judges here. They uh, they thought he dominated dominated the fight just like I did. Unanimous decision for Vicente Luque. Honestly, he's just happy to be able to fight again. He suffered a brain bleed in his last uh, fight. It was a loss, knockout loss. He suffered a brain bleed. He didn't know if he'd able to be able to come back. So what's next for him? Honestly, I think he might face somebody like a Michael Chiesa type. You know, in, in that weight class, in the welterweight class, uh, he could wholeheartedly, you know, face that gatekeeper in the 15 spot. You know, let us know what you think. Uh, we'll, let, we want to hear from you. Let's see. Let's hear questions, you know, your comments. You can email us at splitdecision2023 at gmail.com, or you can text us at 337-414-2202. Now, moving on to the co-main event, the featherweight division, Typically impressive, showed us another great match. Cub Swanson versus Hakeem Dewodu. This one had some controversy, in my opinion. I personally thought Hakeem Dewodu won the fight, uh, but the judges gave uh, Swanson the decision, unanimous decision, actually. Um, maybe it was a takedown in the third round that really secured it for Cub. I will say it was a close fight. You know, after rewatching it, I don't feel quite so slighted. I went on social media pretty heavily and just kind of kind of just went in. But, you know, I think it was a very close decision. I still think they got it wrong. Uh, but whether that was a bad decision or not, it was still a great fight. You know, both held aggressive striking and stayed in the pocket to create combos. You know, they threw their jab, took a shot just to throw that second or third punch or third strike, you know, body kick, body punch, doesn't matter. They stayed in the pocket to you know, to try to end the fight, to try to further their advantage in the fight. So, great one to them. So, UFC Vegas 78 had six knockouts. This was the only one on the main card. We had Chris Dukehouse versus Khalil Roundtree. This was pretty much guaranteed to be an explosive fight in the light heavyweight division. We didn't see it going any other way. 
honestly, this fight started off very, very quickly. The two, you know, got really close, started getting into the clinch, throwing knees, grinding against the fence, you know, very close contested. It was honestly the smartest thing Chris Dukowski could have done to, you know, take the damage off a lot of those shots. Where it really messed up, though, after splitting apart, Roundtree threw just a rocket left hand. He split the guard. Dukas dropped to the canvas. And then, of course, Khalil just pounced. He jumped on top, started raining fists until the fight was stopped for the only first round, the only KO of the main card. Next up, we have the women's strawweight division, Pollyanna Viana versus Yasmin Lucindo. Lucindo came out strong, landing shots, rocking Viana early. She got the takedown, she got, and then they got back to their feet. You know, Viana, she contested, you know, towards the end of the first round. that The rocking really threw her off, but she was able to compose herself a little bit. It looked like she, she started to, you know, get a rhythm, get a feel for it. And then going, you know, right back to the ground in the second round. Lucindo got the triangle arm choke, submitting her, you know, almost just under four minutes, three minutes, 42 seconds into the second round. Uh, this was one of only uh, two submissions. Most of the main card uh, went either to the decision or, you know, deep into the fight, the only the only early stoppage or the only non-decision, two non-decisions. This fight was a submission, and the one I just spoke about, Chris Dukaus, was the first-round knockout. The rest of the fights on the main card were, uh, for different reasons, decisions. A couple fights on this card had, uh, you know, a couple weight problems. Um, two fights in a row. First one I'll talk about is going to be A.J. Dobson. He made weight. Versus Tafan Nchkui. Uh He missed weight by about three and a half pounds. In my opinion, that, that's completely unacceptable. A lot of fighters feel this way. They feel like it's completely cheating, which I wholeheartedly agree. You only have to give up 30% of your money, but you can still you know, increase in the rankings. You can still go up. Yes, of course, it's on, on the other fighter to not fight, but a lot of these guys, they have to fight. You know, These unranked opponents, they have to fight. You know, they need, they don't have contracts that are longer than one, two fights a lot of the times. So they need to be able to go out there and perform, even if they're having a, you know, with odds stacked against them. Um, you know, Chikui missed weight by three and a half pounds. At least in this case, AJ Dobson was able to, uh, you know, overcome that adversity. Was able to win this fight by unanimous decision. Uh, you know, picking Chikui apart moving his head in very fluid motions, not really ever giving Chikui an opportunity to, you know, land a lot of damage. So props to AJ Dobson for really showing us how it's done, you know, making weight, beating somebody who didn't, overcoming the odds. Great to you, AJ Dobson. The first fight of the main card was Josh Fremd versus Jamie Pickett. Uh, this was probably, in my opinion, the worst fight of the entire night. Uh, Josh Friend came in three pounds over, but he also came in without power or lungs. Uh, he, he did do enough to win by unanimous decision, but it, it was a pretty, it was far from a pretty performance. You know, it, 
what, 40 seconds into the first round, he seemed completely gassed out of it, you know, not kind of hanging on his opponent, hanging on Pickett the rest of the fight, you know, and, and not to say that, you know, the three pounds is what did it to him, but there was obviously some issues going in. I know I spoke about in the last fight how, you know, there needs to be a harsher penalty. I'm not going to go again, you know, into my deep dive on that, but y'all know how I feel. Uh, either way, Josh Frim won by a pretty poor unanimous performance decision. Uh, Jamie Pickett also just didn't do enough here. I don't know, you know, what his deal was going in, but he's he's been a killer in the past as well. So let's hope both these guys write their, write their trains and get back out there in order to make some entertaining fights in the future. So normally we don't cover uh, the you know UFC Vegas cards, anything but the main card. I took an exception here for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm by myself, so I need to make a little bit more content uh, to make up for the lack of you know otherwise communication. And number two... Uh, two fighters just did some pretty impressive things. Terrence McKinney fought for the third time in 2023. Uh, he's been fighting like crazy. It was another first-round KO for him, minute and 25 seconds into the fight. Obviously, we're going to see McKinney fighting again soon. He, he jokingly asked for a fight this coming week, but then he found out that it was, you know, this coming week in Boston, so he was like, no, give me a month off. But he had the advantage very early. It wasn't the ideal start to 2020 for him, but we're big fans. He's definitely looking to turn his 2023 around, and you know his fourth or fifth fight, you know, should solidify that for him. And lastly, the other fight on the prelim. The reason we're talking about this one is it's a history moment in the UFC. Damon Blackshear defeated Jose Johnson with only the third twister in UFC UFC history. Uh, that was inside of the first round. So for him to be able to get that kind of move inside of the first round shows really how dominant he was being and, you know, shows how much control he was getting on the ground throughout, you know, the, the limited showing we saw in this fight. All right. So next we are going to cover, or I guess I should say I am going to cover the bets and picks from this past week and the season um so to run through it christian for his bets he went two and one got two right one wrong uh his first bet he picked aj dobson money line got that correct his second bet was khalil roundtree got, good job him his third bet was rda rafael dos anjos money line he lost that one Good for him. He moved to a 16 and 8 total record for a 67% win or percent accuracy, I guess I should say. Not win streak. That would be dumb. And uh, myself, this was the worst week I've had of the season. I went 1 and 2. Uh, my first bet was Tafan Chakui. Of course, I picked him before I knew he missed weight. Otherwise, I might have gone the other way. Second bet was Lucinda. Uh, Yasmin Lucinda versus Pollyanna Viana, the over. Um, got that one wrong as well. And my, uh, the only bet I did get right was I picked Vicente Luque Moneyline. So at least he was the un slight underdog there. So I lost a little bit less this week. Um, bringing me to 
13, 10, and 1 on the season for 56% accuracy on those picks. I promise I will get those up. And for picks on the week, Christian picked Josh Frim, Yasmin Lucinda, Khalil Roundtree, Hakeem Dewodu, and Rafael Dos Anjos going 4-2. and two. I did slightly worse at 3-3. Three and three. Frimmed, Viana, Roundtree, Dewodu, Tukui. Oh, and uh, Christian picked Dobson. And then I got Luke. So 3-3 three and three for me there. Uh, pretty good. Moves Christian to a solid 32-22, and 22, 59%. You see how we kind of mirrored each other on the, uh, on the percentages there, on the picks and bets? I just probably should just start betting on everything, I guess. Uh, and for me, 37 and 17 on pick, 68% correct. Uh, next week, we're going to be trying to do to beat AI in picks. So get ready. UFC 292. We're going to be taking on Chat GPT in picks. We've already got theirs locked in. Brad Tavares, Cheeto Vera, Cody Garbrandt, which has now been canceled, uh, Denis Tululin, Ian Gary, Wei Li Zhang. Aljamain Sterling, look out. We'll be talking about our picks a little bit later in the episode, but we'll be going against ChatGPT this week. All right, so let's move ahead to our preview of UFC 292 in Boston this weekend. Uh, The first fight we're going to cover is actually the Ultimate Fighter Season 31 lightweight finale. It's going to be Austin Hubbard, Austin Thud Herbert versus Kurt Hollibaugh. Uh, both of these guys are former UFC fighters. They've both of these fighters spent two fights out of the UFC after getting dropped. Uh, Hubbard comes in three and four overall in the UFC, 15 and six as his overall record. Hollibaugh, 19 and seven overall. He is 0 and three in the UFC, though. How do you think this one goes, Alex? Dude, honestly, Hollibaugh's last stint in the UFC had him 0-3. He didn't win a single fight. But then he goes back to his regional circuit, the XFC, and he's just knocking people out. Where Hubbard's last stint in the UFC, he's 3-4. This is kind of a confusing matchup. You know, they're they're both kind of getting their second chance here. Uh you know, being the ultimate fighter finale. Yeah, the, the ultimate fighter this year was rookies versus vets that have been cut. So both of these guys, I, the vets, vets kind of shined finals. here. Yeah. That was Michael Chandler's team. That's why he dominated so much. Winner getting a UFC contract. Honestly, I think Austin Hubbard has what it takes to to beat Kurt Hollibaugh here. I don't know how far he's going to go in the lightweight division, as we are always talking that that, that division's complete killers. But I think Austin Hubbard has what it takes to win this uh, this specific fight to earn himself a UFC contract. Yeah, I think Hubbard has proven he can win some fights in the UFC. I think he's a legit UFC fighter. Hollibaugh, he struggled in the UFC, and I think that difference between the two skill sets is going to show. I got Austin Hubbard. Moving on to the middle next middleweight fight of the night, we have Gregory Robocop Rodriguez. That's a versus, cool ass nickname. I'm just gonna say that. It really is. I wish my my real name was Robocop. But anyway, uh Gregory Rodriguez versus Dennis Tolulin. Russian versus Brazilian. We have a big difference of styles here. You have Tolulin, who's a precision kickboxer, Rodriguez. 
He's uh, skilled in striking, striking, grappling, obviously jujitsu. You know, he can take you down. He can submit you. He's got Rodriguez has eight KOs, three submissions, two decision victories. Yeah, and his last three wins have been KO, TKO. So, and then Tululin has nine out of ten uh, TKOs as his record: ten and seven wins, ten ten wins, seven losses, only losing once by KO, four times by submission. Kind of a, a clash of matchup here with that. You know, it's showing that he's a little weak to submission, but also showing that Rodriguez can be knocked out. What do you think happens here? So Rodriguez comes in. He's 4-2 and two in the UFC, so he's been in the UFC a little bit longer than uh, Tululin. Tululin 1-2. and two. Um, I think this is going to be a case where they come out, they fight. Rodriguez, huge favorite, by the way, minus 350. Uh, I think he comes in. Hits him with the hands. He can either take him out by the hands or by choking him out. I have Rodriguez winning, and I honestly, I think it's going to be a finish. I think it's going to be under two and a half rounds. That's actually my uh, my first bet of the night is that is also Rodriguez to Lulin under on the card. I have uh, that as well. I agree with you. I think either way, even though we both picked Rodriguez here, I think either way this this fight finishes under ten minutes total. Okay, so let's move on to the last prelim fight we're going to cover. It's Chris, the All-American Wideman, coming back from that vicious leg break against Uriah Hall. It's been two-plus years since he's fought. He's taken on Brad Tavares. Uh, Wideman comes in. He's 15-6 and six overall, like I said. All six of his losses are by KO, so he doesn't lose any other way. He is the former middleweight champ, but he has lost six out of his last eight so he's been on a little bit of a slide. But I will say, before the leg break, which did count as a loss, which kind of sucks, he won the fight before that. So it looked like he had kind of maybe figured some things out again. He's taking on Brad Tavares, who comes in two straight losses. Uh, so it's two guys trying to kind of get a grip back on their career. How do you think this fight goes? Honestly, man, here, I follow Wyman on social media. He's already stated that he's going to throw this leg kick right into the opening round as hard as he possibly can. And I love that. I love that mentality because that's what you got to do. Yeah, if you're going to overcome your own personal fear, you're going to throw it as hard as you can. You're going to come out with that pressure that shows that you mean business and that you're not just going to fold at the beginning of the fight. Yeah, and it's probably honestly a real mental thing for him just to be like, okay, I don't have to worry about this. Right, we've throw this leg kick. we've talked before about people coming back from a truly like KO sleeping knockout, being submitted, you know, unconscious. That's hard to come back from because it 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 really messes with your mental state. That's hard to come back from. I think this is ten times harder. Right, back from. this is physical and mental rehab both, to the point where you know for a while he was wheelchair bound. This is like a running back with a bad ACL tear where it's like Adrian Peterson coming back and trying gotta, to play again. The best thing to do is go out there and do hard cuts just to have confidence in your knee. That way you're just not worrying about it. Right. The the first snap you take, you do the heaviest juke you can possibly do and just see what holds up. So how do you think this fight goes? Weidman is a big underdog. He's plus 220. Uh, Brad Tavares, minus 270. I actually have Chris Weidman winning this fight. I think he's going to be motivated enough, and he's facing a guy that's also – probably not in the prime of his career i have chris weidman winning and i honestly i'm gonna put my second bet chris weidman money line i like the value at plus 220 you know 
I'm doing the exact same. I think Chris Weidman wins here. I also have him as my second bet money line. But one of the things I was focusing on, one of the things I paid attention to more than, you know, really anything else when I was researching the two is that while Brad Tavares is 19 and eight, he's won 12 of his fights by decision, which, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen every fight he's fought granted, but it, it leads to me that when you're, you're lo- only losing fights by KO, like Chris Weidman. You have what it takes to beat somebody like Brad Tavares, who's winning most of his fights by decision. Yeah, Chris Weidman, that's proven to be the only way to beat him, is KO. Right. All right. So to kick off our first fight of the pay-per-view, we have Marlon, better known as Cheeto Vera, in the bantamweight division. At 135 pounds, fighting Pedro, the young Punisher, Munoz. Uh, both fighters coming in here, never being finished. Uh, Cheeto is 20 and 8, 8 KOs, 8 submissions, 4 decisions. I guess 20 and 8 and 1 because he has the draw. Only losing his 8 losses by decision. And Munoz being 5 KOs, 8, dis- eight submissions, 7 decisions, 2 no contest, losing his 7 fights by decision what do you think happens here christian yeah so both these guys very similar records as you said two eight and one for uh marlon chito vera two twenty seven and two for pedro munis uh neither been finished marlon chito vera comes in 14 and 7 in the ufc he has won four out of his last five his only loss was a technical uh loss to Corey sanhagen Corey sanhagen just was a very technical, smart fighter. So it's not a bad loss. And we saw that a couple weeks ago, actually, with Sanhagen being... He's such a cerebral cerebral fighter where he... He picks some people apart, man. You know, it's he, just nasty. You just know he game plans so well, and he finds your weakness, and he's trying to exploit that. That's kind of what he did to Cheeto. And it's like um, in the NFL when they watch tape. You know, it's like you exactly. learn so much about the person, you can... Like replicate their moves, it's it's ridiculous. Exactly. Uh, both of these guys pretty well rounded. Munoz kind of leans more to the subs. Um, I have Marlon Cheeto Vera winning the fight. I also have this fight considering the fact that neither guy has ever been finished. I think Cheeto wins it by decision. So my lat- third and last bet of the night is going to be over two and a half rounds. I think this goes to the decision, goes to the scorecard. Uh, both these guys are tough. How do you think this fight goes? Honestly, I think I think Chito Vera wins it. I uh, I don't I don't see him being upset here. He is a slight favorite on the, uh, on the betting odds, but overall, you know, he has a, a couple more uh, KO finishes. He's got the same amount of submissions. He's got fewer decision wins, which you know to me kind of points that he's going to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I think honestly, I think he's going to win here. I don't have any problem with your bet. You know, statistically, this fight's going to the decision anyway. Um, so I don't see an upset happening here. And who doesn't love Marlon Chito Vera? One of the most favorite uh, fighters in the UFC. Cool guy. All right, so the next fight we're going to look at is Cody No Love Garbrandt taking on Mario Batista. Cody comes in 2-5 and five in his last seven fights. That's since he won the title. So he's... Obviously, most people that follow him may know he's kind of been on the downturn. He hasn't been himself in a while. He did win his last fight, so maybe he's turning the corner. He's taking on Mario Batista, who is 6-2 overall in the UFC. He has four straight wins 
three straight wins by round one finish. So what it looks like to me is there's one guy that's ascending his career, ascending to the top of the division versus another guy who's, I don't want to say descending. He is descending, though, and he's kind of become a, uh, a gatekeeper. You want to beat him to get a name on your resume. Absolutely. He's he's a, in my mind, future Hall of Famer with his accolades. Uh, Cody Garbrandt comes in with a mixed record recently, you know, only winning two out of his last five. Two out of his last seven. Two out of his last seven. I was trying also, to give... two out of his last five. You're correct. Hey, man, but... let, me, let me give him credit. Let me give him credit. Two out of five. Two out of five for the Cody Garbrandt. Former champ, we will say that. Right. He did, he did dominate Dominic Cruz to get the belt. Batista, you know, he's won four out of five, like you said, three of those being submission first-round stoppages. Honestly, this is another fight where it's a difference of styles. It's a clash of styles. It's two careers that could potentially be going in two different directions. You know, it's an all-time story card for the UFC where they're they're making the the clash matchups for the the pay-per-view and they're making everything just kind of keep you on your toes in this fight I think Mario Batista is gonna win um he's kind of heavy favorite on the on the card and minus 320 to Cody Garbrandt's plus 250 honestly I think he has what it takes to to win here I don't know if it's gonna be decision knockout submission I think it's going to be a tough fight for either, for both guys, but I think uh, Batista gets the victory at the end of the day. I agree with you that Batista probably wins, but Cody Garbrandt still does have that that power at the uh, at his weight class where he could potentially be one punch away from winning the fight. But I agree with you. I think Batista wins the fight. I think it's probably by submission, but I'm not confident enough to put a bet. But my pick for the fight is Mario Batista to win. Walking into our next welterweight matchup, we have a late replacement, Neil the Haitian Sensation Magni versus Ian the Future Gary. Uh, both of these fighters are well experienced in the UFC. Obviously, Neil Magny's uh, quite a bit more experienced, being 28 and 10, being seven KO victories, four submissions, 17 decisions. Kind of a glaringly obvious decision victory champ over here. Um, he's going to be fighting Gary. I think Gary will be the favorite on the card. As of now, they hadn't released the odds yet. We're filming this a couple couple weeks, or not a couple weeks, I'm sorry, a couple days early because, Christian, you're going to be going on vacation. Correct. So uh, congratulations to you, you bastard. Thank you, thank you. But uh, outside of that, we think Gary's going to be the favorite and the fan favorite. You know, everybody likes Gary. Both guys being bad. I wouldn't say everybody likes him, but everybody, everybody I care about likes everybody him. Everybody has an opinion, which is pretty much all you need to be a popular fighter. Fair enough. What do you think is going to happen in this fight? So, Neil Magny, I will say this. He's the first fighter since we started the podcast that we're covering his second fight. He fought back in June, so I will commend him for that. Episode one, uh, I believe that one was called Fresh Take. I believe split so. decision. He, he, he fought in June, like I said, at UFC Jacksonville. The, same, the main event was uh, Teporia Emmett. So props to him for that. This is a step up in competition for Gary. He's slowly gotten better and better opponents. I do think Ian Gary is about it, though. I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to move the 6-0. He may not get the finish, but I think he comes in and gets the win. I have Ian Gary winning the fight, probably by decision, but I wouldn't be surprised if he finds a way to knock Neil Magny out, TKO at least. Look, I, I, I like what you said here. I think one of the things where, where Gary needs to 
needs to prove he can handle is with his submission defense, right? Magny's going to come in. I think he's going to shoot for the takedown when he sees the opportunity, and I think that's going to be where the, where Gary has the opportunity to either to shine or fail. But in result, I think Gary's actually going to win the fight. I think he's going to shine in those moments. I think at 25, being the younger fighter here, he's kind of on the right trajectory to be at least in contention for a title in the future. Oh, I think he obviously does, but I think the UFC and the way they're trying to market him and build him up, everybody looks at this guy as a future possible champ, definitely series contender. Right. I have Ian Gary as my next pick for the fight. All right, so let's move on to the co-main event of the evening for the 115 women's title. It's Zhang Wei Li taking on Amanda Limo. Zhang Wei Li comes in 23 and 3 overall. She's 7 and 2 in the UFC. Her only two losses are to Rose Namajunas. One was by a KO, one was by a controversial uh, split decision. She's probably one of my favorite fighters to watch, so I'm very excited to watch her. She takes on Amanda Lemos, who also comes in 7-2, and two, comes in on a two-fight winning streak, and is a girl that wins a lot of fights by finishes. How do you think this fight goes, Alex? So starting off, Zhang is defending her title. You know, she beat Carla Espinosa to... I'll by- just... I think, I think Zhang is her last name. Wei Li would be her, like her first name. Right. They're, I'm just trying to say one of them correct, to be honest with you. Hey, I, I understand, brother. So I'm saying Zhang because I know how to say Zhang. Um, so Zhang is defending her title. She won the title after beating Carla Esparza. Esparza. She beat Carlos Esparza after Carlos Esparza took the belt in the most boring fight ever against Rose. Right. When probably the... Zhang originally lost the title to, to Rose... Rose had a non-impressive, you know, title defense. Then, I mean, it was literally one of the most boring fights ever against. I remember Zhang. watching it with you. It was nobody crazy. threw anything. But Zhang is Zhang Wei Li. She has to be one of the most talented female fighters in the roster, especially in the strawweight division. At 115 pounds, she she is consistently, you know, put pressure on people. She's shown people that she can, you know, she can knock you out. She can beat you by submission. But also, she can take you to the cards and win. I think here, especially being the betting favorite, Wei Li Zhang, Wei Li Zhang defends the belt. I think she keeps the belt, and I think she starts on the first of many defenses. I agree with you, and I hope she does because I like her so much. I also have her winning the fight. I think, as you said, this is just one of the first not the first, but one of many more to come of her holding on to this title. I have Zhang Weili as my pick. To follow up our main card, the main event of UFC 292, we have Aljo, Aljamain, the Funk Master Sterling versus Sugar Sean O'Malley. And what is, honestly... More than a betting car, a betting matchup, this is a fan matchup. There's a lot of people who are fans of Aljo. There's a lot of people who are fans of O'Malley. Two polarizing guys. One's not very good on Twitter. The other is Sean O'Malley. Yeah, you go from the the smooth (laughs) guy who comes up with funny shit to the the corny guy who you can't tell if he's purposely being corny. Or if it's kind of like me and you just, you think you're funny and you're not. 
Agreed, but which might also be just as funny as being the smooth, funny guy. It depends on it depends on what take you're fighting. I mean, if I can't fight, I'm just not funny. If he can fight and he's ironic, he might be funny. We don't the, know. The thing I'll say is we're laughing with Sean O'Malley when he when he's funny. We're laughing at Aljo when he's funny. Personally, yes. Uh, so listen, Aljo won the belt controversially against Peter Yan. He took an illegal knee. Uh, to the head while his hands but were down. He did come back and then dominate Peter Yan. Correct. He has since defended that belt with poise, I have to say. Being a fan or not, I got to give credit where it's due. And listen, I wholeheartedly agree that Sean O'Malley is facing his toughest competition yet in the UFC. But I personally think he has what it takes to get it done. I think he's. it, it will be a tough matchup, but I think Sean O'Malley is going to find his rhythm and within five rounds, he's going to he's gonna show either, you know, a knockout submission or he's going to show the judges that it was a clear-cut victory. What well, do you think is going to happen? I'll tell you one thing. He's not getting a submission over Aljo. Uh, you never know. Aljo comes in. These are two of the most impressive records in a matchup I've seen in a while. Aljo comes in 23-3, and three, nine straight wins. Uh, Sean O'Malley, 16-1-1, one 8-1-1 and one, eight, one and one in the UFC. So these are two guys, they don't lose very often. They usually win fights, and they usually win fights pretty convincingly. This is, a, this is the typical uh, MMA matchup that everybody wants. Stylistically, they're very different. You have the guy that, on the ground, almost unbeatable. He can wrestle, he can submit you, and that's an Aljo. Then you have Sean O'Malley who comes in. Probably one of the most beautiful and technical strikers in the UFC, regardless Man, of weight Man, that left shot, huh? He has a crazy left hook, crazy left hand. He's a KO artist, so this is a difference of style. Sean O'Malley, one of my favorite UFC fighters. He's one of my favorite UFC personalities, but... Before you say but, but. Let, me, let me add in, this is also my third bet of the night. Sean O'Malley money line. And I know I feel like you're about to crush me with your pick here, and we're going to be rooting against each other all night. But I say my pick and my third bet of the night is Sean O'Malley money line. So you got your butt in. Here's my butt in. But Aljamain Sterling is one of the most dominant ground guys in the UFC, especially for his weight class. I think it's going to be a good fight. I think he's going to withstand... Some of the Sean O'Malley uh, pressure on the feet. He's probably going to... Sean O'Malley's probably going to be better than him on the feet. But eventually, Aljo's going to get him down. Eventually, Aljo's going to get his back. Eventually, Aljo's going to become the backpack that he always is. And I think Aljo Dora, gets Dora, the submission. Dora, the explorer. Exactly. I think Aljo comes in, gets his back, gets his submission. I think it's probably in like the second or third round. I'm not confident enough to put a bet on i am confident in it but i already have my three bets aljo winning this fight probably by submission listen brother i hope you're wrong honestly i hope i'm wrong too because i like sean o'malley more but i'm just saying what i see fair enough all right so let's move on to our top five of the week as usual we're gonna stick with the theme UFC 292 is in Boston. Boston is one of the most historic cities in America. Has some of the most famous people from America are from Boston. Has some crazy architecture, crazy history. So, 
Our top five this week is going to be Boston things. So that could be a Boston person, a place, Boston place, a Boston thing. So pretty much a Boston noun. Yeah, that's pretty close. You get, you get what? You, you can see the cards I'm laying down. I got my five. You got your five. I All got right. six if you want me to be honest. Yeah, I got a few too. So how about you start off your number five favorite Boston thing? All right. Before one, like one split second before I do my number five, I want to give you my my honorable mention. I know we don't talk about honorable mentions too much, uh, but it, it recently came to my attention that the Chris Evans is from Boston, uh, Captain America. I did see that in my in my extensive research. So I want to just throw him up for an honorable mention. You know, I was a teenager when most of the uh, Captain America Marvel movies that he was in came out. So heavy props to him. But my number five for Boston things, Boston nouns, Boston people, place, or things is going to be Boston, the band. Hit singer or hit band of... More than a feeling. More than a feeling. Yeah. I know Boston. I know Boston. I like that. That's a great pick. One of the best, at this point, classic rock bands of all time. Right, yeah. I've known about them since, uh, I guess, my of, mom told me about them. That's uh, definitely a parent band you find out from your parents. Probably one of the most uh, karaoke bands of all time. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... They have a bunch of catchy songs. Uh, they're, you know, they're not negative. You know, they have very positive positive lyrics. You know, it, it's, it's a very karaoke-friendly band. Number five... Boston the band. What you got as your number five, Christian? So my number five, I think it's something that's going to be close to both of our hearts. Um, this is a company. Skin? Close. Oh. This is a company that we both love. They put out, I know we're a content podcast. They put out probably the content I consume the most. They were founded in and around Boston barstool sports my favorite podcasts are on barstool my favorite personalities most of the stuff i watch on youtube i love barstool sports that's probably my inspiration of why i wanted to do a podcast with you yeah i i wholeheartedly agree i don't even understand how that's your number five um should be your number one if that's the inspiration for the podcast but I will say El Prez has been an inspiration to a lot of people. He did, in fact, you know, to your point, he did cause me to, uh, you know, kind of take the jump, hit the purchase button on the equipment from Amazon and such. I really like that pick. Barstool Sports is uh, near and dear to my heart. I love the Yak, you know, Sports Advisors, PMT, uh, One Bite. You know, there's a bunch of good shows in their network. And uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Barstool Sports is a great answer. What you got for number four? My number four is... He's an old guy. Uh, it's one of my, my uh, only... He's actually my only person on my top five. Uh, he, you know, he was known to have invented the bifocal. You know, he, uh, he flew a kite with a key on it, got electrocuted. We're talking the man on the $100 bill. The one, the only, Mr. Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, one of the founding fathers. 
one of the smartest guys. One of the in most history. influential founding fathers to never be a president. He's also one of the most influential people to have syphilis. Well, don't knock him for that. I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying it. He was having fun. He also had a, a long residency in Paris where he would cheat on his wife. But I do like Ben Franklin. Right. I mean, I know I sound negative. I, f- I feel like I'm too negative on one of the founding fathers. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's Ben Franklin. He's he never had any, you know, any any wrongdoings in his life. It's Ben Franklin. I don't know. Go read his uh, diary. He admits to it. Yeah, there was that thing where they found like 100, 200 bodies in his basement where he was running like a med school, an illegal med school in his basement. Yeah, in New but York. they did say he was known to do weird shit like skeletons. that. He wasn't killing people. No, no, he wasn't killing people, but he was definitely experimenting on skeletons. So, my number four, I'm going to move on so we don't harp too long on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get canceled for shitting on Ben Franklin. Yeah. Uh, my number four, this Eyeglasses. is a, a Boston staple. It is one of the things Boston's most known for, uh, especially in the past like 10 years because of a unfortunate terrorist attack. Uh, as a fellow runner myself, I run a lot. The Boston Marathon is like the pinnacle of foot races. It's the pain, like if you think of a marathon, the Boston Marathon's number one, most prestigious. So my number four is the Boston Marathon. Uh, it's something that the whole city and this isn't a city of runners or anything. Like the whole city, this is like a holiday for them. Right. For for Boston, it's almost like St. Paddy's Day, right? You know, exactly. it's it's an event that brings everybody out. It's a community event. Especially since the terrorist attack. It even amplified Right. I, I would say it's even more popular due to the community involvement saying, like, listen, a terrorist attack isn't gonna back us down. It's We're not gonna, gonna back us down. In fact, we're gonna be stronger in this. spite of of what you're trying to hurt us with. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that shows you with American resiliency, especially in the Boston community. That's a great pick, the Boston Marathon. I agree, and that's like where that hashtag Boston Strong, that was, that's where it came from. Right. What do you have as your number three? So my number three, up until recently, has been one of the things that has disgusted me most just by a rivalry. I have since jumped the bandwagon on the New York Yankees. Now I'm following the Atlanta Braves. So I'm happy to say. I'm a Braves fan. I'm happy to say. Yeah, you longtime Braves. I'm new Braves. I'm bandwagon Braves at this point, but I'll I'll earn my keep, I promise you. We'll accept you, we'll accept you. So because I'm allowed to say it now, my number three best thing of Boston, best thing in Boston, things, people, place, things, whatever. The big green monster, the 37-foot wall in left field, causing people not to get home runs since 1934. So it causes people not to get home runs, but it is very short, so it could give you a home run as well. But I'm not going to talk too much on your number three, only because my number three is the whole ballpark. It's it's Fenway Park. And the biggest... Uh, the biggest attribute of Fenway Park, it does have the crazy uh, right field and all that stuff. But the biggest attribute, the thing you notice the most, is the big green monster. The green monster. So I agree with you. That is iconic Boston. If you think of Boston, at least as an American, because we appreciate and like baseball, the green monster is one of the first things that like epitomizes Boston, Massachusetts. 
Absolutely. I remember in EA Sports, MLB Baseball 2005. Oh, anytime you play, still to this day, anytime I play a video game that's MLB, we're playing at Fenway Park. Right. You. I mean, can you imagine tr- just the attempt to hit over the big green monster every time, whether your buddy's pitching, whether computer's pitching, it's just a, it's a whole lot of fun either way. So we both gave our number threes. They were almost the same thing. Uh, what's your number two? So listen, I can't do it, but I'm going to try. My number two is going to be the Boston accent. You know, like if you park your car, in the car park. I think that's about And you it. lose your keys and your khakis. You had it at first. You had me in the first half. I'm not going to lie. So that I'm going to go with the Boston accent. Is the only Boston accent either of us will do. Right. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go any further than the shit I just spouted. But Boston accent has got to be the number two thing from Boston. Because I would argue that almost anybody in the entire world could almost guess that a Boston accent is from Boston. It's so distinct. I'll it's so clear. You. I'll agree with you. It's distinct. It's very clear. You know exactly what it's from. But I think it's like one of the most unpleasant, and that's pretty universal. It's an unpleasant accent. Nobody likes hearing those motherfuckers talk. I got to agree with that. Maybe maybe not my number two. It <laughs> is my number two. I'm locking it in. Maybe it should have been my number five. But didn't mean the shit on your pick. So that was your number two? My number two is the accent of Boston. My number two Park is... Car. My number two is one of the most influential events that happened in American history. This changed the course of American history. This helped solidify our identity as rebels against tyrants. The Boston Tea Party is the theoretical start and symbolizes the start of the American Revolution. And it showed the ground cause of the war was no taxation without representation. We want to be able to govern ourselves. We're not paying these high taxes on your motherfucking tea. We're dumping it in the harbor. Fuck your tea, England. That's my number two. I really like that number two to the point where it's related to my number one. Um, While I wholeheartedly agree with the premise of what you said, I think we have, as a country, gotten far away from that. I agree, but that's why we need a little Boston Tea Party. Right? Kind of a new age. Modern day. A new age Boston Tea Party. We're going to dump these vape pins out. Right, we don't we don't use the. We're gonna push all these Chinese toys into the ocean, but in San Francisco. Right, maybe even push San Francisco into the ocean. Yeah, that might solve a lot of problems, honestly. So, listen, I, I really like the uh, the Boston Tea Party. You know, they they went against the monarchy there. You know, they they helped solidify our independence. Which you know, while the U.S. has flaws, I have to say. I wouldn't prefer to live anywhere else. Agreed. So that was my number two, the Boston Tea Party. What? I think you kind of hinted at it. I think it's related to my number two. What's your number one? So my number one, Boston's widely known 
as the birthplace of the American Revolution. It so, epitomizes like colonial America, the thirteen right. colonies. So you know, it was one of the it was one of the first founded colonies. You know, Paul Revere famously in Boston said the British are coming. It it's always held ground for the American people. I think the birthplace of the American Revolution, the number one thing of Boston, people, places, things, Bostonites. I think the number one thing of Boston is its historical significance, being that it is where America started its independence. I 100% agree with you. It, that really is why Boston is still, I think, considered like a major city is because of that historical independence. And obviously they've built off of that, but the foundation is that historical independence. So I honestly, I love your number one pick. What you got for your number one? So my number one pick, I know we're, we went from, we both have had some like really heavy, kind of um, serious, serious, like historical, like meaningful, melodrama picks type picks. For Boston. I'm going to go a, a little bit in the opposite direction. My number one pick is one of my favorite comedians, 100% my favorite podcaster. My number one pick is the, great, the great and powerful Joe Rogan. Oh, I thought you were saying me. Owner of the mothership, resident of Austin, Texas now, but he's a Bostonite at heart. That's where he's born where and he, raised. That's where not, he cut his teeth in the comedy was scene. Was not born and raised, but that's where he cut his teeth in the comedy scene. But he's a Boston guy. I think he's one of many Boston comedians, but he's the one that even besides comedy, he's branched out and his podcast is has triumphed any other accomplishment he had and he is by far the best podcast of all time. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I wish I would have even thought about Joe Rogan. I didn't try to add a bunch of people to my list I wanted to add. Um, I was all over the place, so, you know, I, I see why you, you wouldn't have people. But I, but I get where, where Joe Rogan plays a part. You know, he has, in the past five years alone, he has changed, you know, American civilization, you know, not just even American, honestly, the world, the world, at least in terms of dialogue and free speech, you know, the, the, the fact that a company can back you to say whatever you want to say, because they trust that you're not going to say the wrong thing. Well, they also you're not trust gonna, you're going to bring in millions and millions of dollars in revenue. Right. That, I mean, that's a part of it, but Joe wouldn't have done it had he not had the freedom control to do what he could do. Joe being the biggest podcast in the world is is an understatement. Honestly, this guy should run for president one day. I would be proud to see Joe Rogan be the leader of the country at some point. He would not disappoint. His ideals are solid. His foundations are firm. Joe Rogan is a perfect number one pick for a Boston draft. Let's move on to the news. What you got, Alex? So listen, I am 100% happy to report that Derek Lewis's free agency has come to an end. Short-lived free agency, and I love it too. The former title challenger inked an eight-fight deal with the UFC. Uh, Dana White mentioned this in a power slap because he's pretty much asked about UFC fighters in every interview he's doing just because people want to know. Uh, he mentioned it in, an, in a power slap interview that he inked, Derek Lewis inked a eight-fight deal for the UFC 
So he will not be going to the PFL. He will not be fighting Francis Ngannou as of now. He will not be boxing. He will continue to be the Black Beast. So get ready to hear about his next fight. We have to assume with a 33-second knockout against Rogero DeLima that he'll be fighting soon. I have to imagine but by no- October, November, December, right? I think so, too, and I'm happy to have uh, Derek Lewis back in the UFC. I think it's a good good business by both sides. I think it's a very—I think it's a smart plan by Dana White's camp to try to strengthen the heavyweight division. You know, there's not—it's historical with the heavyweight division to not have a lot of competition, you know, with having older fighters just, you know, naturally being in the—leaning towards the heavyweight division. But— this is a time that where you can really amp it up. You can give John Jones some competition. You know, there's some fighters in the ring at the heavyweight division that, that can compete. So it's time to give them a chance. All right, so the next piece of news we're going to move to is for UFC 293, we've been waiting for this announcement. UFC 293's official main event in Australia, Israel, the last style bender Adesanya, will defend his belt against... Sean Strickland. This is a uh, probably not the best matchup, like if you could pick any matchup for Israel to do next, but he needed a fight on relatively short notice, about five, six weeks. Uh, Sean Strickland's a top five guy. Do I think this will be a great fight in a close fight? No, probably not. I think Israel uh, kind of dog walks him, but happy Israel got a fight. I'm happy he's going to be on the Australia card. It's always good to have one of the top uh, oceanic, like Australian, New Zealand fighters fighting in that region when they have a card there, especially since Volk is not fighting. So I'm happy about it. Yeah, I look, I, I like Sean Strickland. Honestly, I think I'm more excited about the, uh, the promos, you know, the, the pre-fight banter than I am about the fight at this point. I want some trash talk. Sean Strickland's famous for that. Adesanya is willing to say whatever. It's exciting. All right, so to jump back into our roster watch, obviously we just finished up the news with uh, saying Derek Lewis is back on the UFC card. So I, that's probably the best way to just kind of headline the uh, roster watch. Moving directly on from there, since we talked about him enough, a couple dropped uh, people from the card that we don't have to worry about focusing on at the moment. Uh, Charles Boston Strong Rosa. He was 14-8 in his professional career as of now. Um, you know, he's faced some adversity in the UFC. He's going to have to, you know, fight back in his regional circuit to get another opportunity to fight in the UFC. You know, most of the time th- they get there from contender series or off of a late notice card. So we look to see Charles Rosa back there in the future. 14-8, and eight, almost, you know, doubled up his wins. And then the last drop of the night is going to be Mandy Boom. She's 8-2-1 and two and one in the UFC. Kind of rough start to her career in the UFC. Um, you know, lost a couple by decision, won a couple by decision. You know, not really what the UFC wanted to move forward with. You know, they want electric fighters. They want highlight fighters. In their opinion, honestly, I think if you're going for uh, decisions as your main, you know, kind of tout for victory, I think they're just going to let you continue to fight in your regional circuit. 
So I think that's going to pretty much cover it up for uh, this week's roster watch. You know, close it up pretty quickly. Not too much happening. It's all going to really kind of show up after UFC 292. Really show who gets their new contract, who gets dropped, who has a good performance, who has a bad, you know, who's got a right home to mom, if you will. Thanks for listening to this episode of Split Decision. Join us next week when we recap UFC 292. And then we'll gear up for UFC Fight Night, Holloway versus Korean Zombie. Thanks for listening. Check us out at splitdecision.com. Like and subscribe, and leave your thoughts in the comments. Okay, bye.